You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Okay, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast for episode 19. Today, as always, I'm Cameron Crane, the executive editor of tvobsessive.com. I'm joined here by Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor of the site. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm doing really well. It is a really good fall day today. Um, no, no, no complaints. I did have a question for you, though, based on what you have watched this week for the first time. Is have you, like many of us, sworn off ever eating mushrooms ever again? Well, well, I mean, not really. But I, you know what? Actually, I don't like mushrooms in the first. I don't place. either. <laughs> so it was like it, that, that. That didn't affect me at all because I just never <laughs> liked mushrooms in the first place. There's something about the texture. Yeah, I don't know. Some people give me a hard time about this, but. My my dad would smother a steak in, in mushrooms. I just have never been able to 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 to, to find an affinity for. It's for, it's uh, funny because I, I feel I do feel like there's a way in which people who try to pressure me into eating mushrooms, which happens, um, understand at some level because I've said before, basically, if you like dice them up so small, I can't mm-hmm. notice they're there. No yeah. problem with it. Yeah. Right. And well, that's not what they want. Right. Yeah. It's like that. That's the thing. People who like mushrooms, you want you want exactly the thing I don't like. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. So. Uh, exactly. So not really a taste thing. It's a it's a texture thing. Yeah, we're gonna get into fungi and and uh, all sorts of things when we talk about uh, an episode of The Last of Us later later on in this in this episode. Um, the next in our sort of favorite episodes run that we're we're going through, but first we'll do our normal things where we talk through just some brief news items, we'll talk through some things that we're watching or wrapping up in a spoiler freeway, and then we'll get into our our episode of the uh, of the day. But uh, let's start with some news. I think today is October twenty fourth. According to this on on Tuesday, anything exciting happening in the in the world of television these days? Uh, you know, it not a lot is catching my eye. Like in the news, I mean, again, there there are various things. I I think I understand to some degree why they do traffic in what I want to call gossip, like the stuff we've said we've avoid, because otherwise yeah. this wouldn't have enough. You know, what I mean? nothing. It's like we don't need to talk about some of the stuff that they're talking about <laughs> in the you know, like Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. Um. No real updates on the strike. My understanding is they are. Resuming negotiations, that's a positive sign. Uh, but who knows? You know, it's just uh, kind of hope. With the writer's strike, I did feel like at a certain point, it just all of a sudden the MPTP was was willing to yeah. significantly give ground, you know. And, and they had to make a commitment to say, we're going to sit down for as many days it takes to, to finish this. Right. But with the actors, SAG after, you know, it was like they were meeting days in a row and then they broke it off. The MPTP broke it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Hopefully something gets settled soon. Look at the up- upcoming TV schedule. I know it's thinner than normal, but there's still yeah. kind of enough stuff over the coming months that we're not going to feel like there's no new TV. But they need to get back to work on some of the stuff that stopped production. Yep. You know, it's it's funny. You look at some of the stories about, you know, some sites are posting things about you know, negotiations are going to resume soon in hopes of saving the 2024 TV season or in hopes of saving the 2024 box office. There, there's sort of this qualifier now of they sort of realize how far out this is going to impact things if they don't get back to work. Yeah. And again, I don't know, at least speaking for myself, as per usual. With the onus on the NPTV and the blame, as it were, for all the because it's just like with the writers, it, it seemed like months go by, and then they finally go, "Oh, well, these these people are serious." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it feels like the same thing. I'd hoped it would go faster with SAG after after they had you know negotiated with the WGA, yeah. and I don't have any insights information on what the precise sticking points are. But, you know, when you read that, the NPTP is saying, well, that's a non-starter. You know, like <laughs> they don't even make a counteroffer on the topic in a meaningful way. Well, you yeah. know, when people decide to go on strike for a reason, 
So I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think I was I, I was somewhat wrong. I, I thought I was in the camp of once riders reach an agreement, it would really accelerate or propel pretty quick agreement for for SAG. But that's that's certainly not like it's going to be the case as of today. Yeah, I thought so too, or hoped hoped that that would be the case. And maybe that's what it comes down to. You know, um, again, I don't know to what degree it's a hang up on some of the quote unquote AI stuff. I could see that, you know, and and yeah. there are, and maybe that comes to mind for you because there are issues related to that, that are sort of more particular to the actors than mm-hmm. the writers is a different kind of thing where you're talking about possibly scanning background actors. Um, and like, Maybe they really want to do that. <laughs> Did you see there was a there was a video going around of some Disney movie where they had that they like AI generated background actors in the stands at a sports event or something? Oh gosh. Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know what movie it was. At one point I looked up what movie it was and I don't remember. I didn't make a note of it. It was like a movie I'd never heard of. Anyway, it looked awful. It looked like, like bad <laughs> video game graphic. They're just kind of like, don't notice this, you know? And so I don't know. I'll take, so someday, they someday the, the NFL is going to start pumping fans into Jaguars games or something for TV. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, any, anyhow. Yeah. Uh, uh, other news briefly. We don't have a whole ton here. Uh, did you ever watch The Problem with Jon Stewart? I think that's what it was called. I have never caught that before. I, I used to watch his, obviously, his daily show all the time, but I've, I've not really caught any of his stuff since he left. Yeah, same. I mean, I kind of I feel like I've seen a clip or two, mm-hmm. and it felt like, yeah, John Stewart's still doing the John Stewart yeah. thing, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but you know, we're about the same age. I felt like when he was having the Daily Show, particularly through the aughts, yeah, that he was a really kind of important voice during the George W. Bush administration. Yep. And then, you know, okay, still hanging around during Obama and like, <laughs> fine. But yeah. there was already a way in which I felt like when it got to Trump, he didn't have it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, didn't he had, have he had eight, eight years of a sort of, I don't want to say lackadaisical content, but, uh, you know, not not Bush era content to, to deal with. I just always think about, do you remember when he held what he called the rally to restore sanity? <laughs> yes. And I feel like that embodies how John Stewart has always had this guys, can we just calm down and like stop being <laughs> so irrational? And and somehow for me, that stopped landing in the past however many years in the yeah. way it used to. So anyhow, yeah. I'm rambling around on this. Apple TV canceled the show. Yes, they did. Read about this? Yes. What I think is interesting is it's in the articles you read about it. That basically, I think China is the big thing, but basically they pulled the plug on the show because of the topics they were planning on covering in the upcoming season. AI was one of them that's been mentioned, mm-hmm. right? And the other one is China. I don't know what about China, yeah, but it very much seems like this is Apple saying, well, I mean, I think I even read that Apple said, you need, you know, gave content notes or whatever, and he wasn't willing to give ground on it. And they said, okay, well, we're canceling your show then. Yeah, th- th- this is an interesting point. Obviously, you know, I guess maybe Apple and Amazon are the only ones affected by this. But when these consumer product companies or e-commerce companies have to think about their markets, as in the largest market in the world in China, and what will be impacted by the fact that if we do something to potentially criticize them, we're going to have to pull back on that. And yeah, somebody like John Stewart's going to say, no thanks. I, I don't need you to, you know, give me notes on what I'm going to be saying. I'll I'll go do it somewhere else. Yeah, right. So I mean, you get it from Apple's perspective. I don't know, yeah. you know, but I I think it's I want to say it's bad, but also that I get it. Like as you're <laughs> yeah. pointing, it's kind of like with some of the stuff about the NBA sometimes, where you're kind of like, well, okay, I understand, you know, like yeah. the business aspect of it, but it's not um, it's not shocking, certainly. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, as you say, Apple in particular, maybe also Amazon, but Apple, you know, is, is what's relevant here. Having yeah. those business interests related to China, they don't want to piss off China. Exactly. And probably John Stewart was going to 
piss off China, right? <laughs> and then the, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then AI was mentioned as well. And I don't know, you know, to what extent, again, that what we were just talking about with the actors and all of that and how much that's at play and yeah, in the strike, you know, and, and maybe Apple is wanting to, I don't know. I think China's the big thing there. Yeah, it's it's got to be. I, I mean, they can't. They cannot minimize that market at all. So right. I mean, didn't China get upset about a map in the Barbie movie or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also tying it back. You mentioned the NBA if a minute ago. Um, you know, being me being from from Houston, there was this whole thing about ten years ago where the you know the the Houston Rockets had Yao Ming, this this player from China that was their best ever. The Rockets general manager said something in support of of hong kong and some freedom things and and the nba cracked down on him because you know obviously they're trying to expand over there so yeah it's it, it's it's not surprising um and yeah a, a little walk the line but you know you, you just you, i mean 1.2 billion people what are you gonna do you have to you have to keep them happy i mean i guess it's just i mean it, it's so messy the whole yeah the whole taiwan situation and then yes and some hong kong question yeah Taiwan thing, maybe in particular. Anyhow, yeah, we'll do, we'll we'll do another geopolitical podcast some other time. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't have to get into it. <laughs> you know, one China. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> what else? Uh, we got a release date. I believe this was yesterday, which I think I guess is like Fallout Day. This is the video game Fallout, which we were talking about. Now they must yeah. have played, but they're making a TV show of uh, that, which has been on my radar for a while, and they've given us a release date, not until April. Yeah, uh, April twelfth. But I guess I mean I guess the thing's done then. Yeah, I would think so. If you've got a release date and you're locking that in on on a schedule, certainly it's done. You don't need to reshoot. And they're going to hope, I guess, that they have a chance to get these uh, performers in the show, which, as you pointed out, and maybe you'll mention in a second, that's quite the quite the cast that this has. But I'm sure they're hoping to be able to have them to promote the thing before uh, before April. But yeah, this is on the tables of again something we're going to talk about today. A extremely successful video game they're hope, hoping translates into the into the small screen yeah and again i don't know i mean i'm I'm curious i haven't played the game you said you haven't played the game never it's a popular no. game I, I guess there's good story stuff going on here i don't know i'm definitely on board because of the cast you've got walton goggins a plus cal mclaughlin a good mm-hmm. agent cooper <laughs> We were talking about Twin Peaks last week, and I didn't, I didn't get the same. You were, you were saying, you know, keeping track of the characters and struggling with that a bit. Yeah. Um, one thing I could have said is, uh, for for me, everyone who is in Twin Peaks is their character in Twin their- Peaks. <laughs> like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll see, <laughs> I'll see Ray Wise. I'd tell them, like, it's Leland. <laughs> every, every, like, every single character. James Marshall is James Early. Dana Ashbrook is Bobby. It's just yeah. like across the board. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, so yeah, Colin McLaughlin's in this, uh, and and also uh, Ella Purnell, who is in Yellow Jackets. Yes, that's the big the big thing that I know her from, Jackie and Yellow Jackets. Uh, I think there's some other names in there that, that may be recognizable, but but for, for me, like you had me at Goggins, and then yeah, you double right. down that's, with Colin McLaughlin. That's really that's really all you need. I mean, we're. Uh... Goggins will will hook you in. I mean, no matter what's what what show it is. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you need necessarily the knowledge, uh, much like with Last of Us of uh, of the game to go into this. Just a you know a good leading man again, similar to what Last of Us has, and and yeah, not, not, I'll I'll certainly check it out. Right. Yeah, me too. So I'm looking forward to that one. Not till April. Yeah. But still, the the early part of 24. Still does look a little bit thin. Maybe some more things will be announced. Maybe all, 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 all our hopes are going to be on True Detective for about about two months. True Detective, yeah, no, that'll be good. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, see, I was looking at this Hollywood Reporter piece about TV revivals, and uh, it, this, I don't. Know. This made me laugh out loud. This thing is <laughs> how unfamiliar I was with these. Yeah, but yeah, but for the same reason as me, like I did not. Yeah. I did not remember that they rebooted Mad About You. Um, nope. I I vaguely recall they did Dallas. What else is on here? Night Court, of course, that's going on. Fuller yeah, House. I did not know Dallas. I did not know Mad About You. I did not remember Murphy Brown. Yeah, that was the other one I really didn't remember. And no no concept of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was kind of both of those 
Mad About You. Well, I mean, actually, it says the reboot of Mad About You. The revival was on for three years. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched that show back in the day. I was, I no. kind, it was one of those things where, like, I kind of did because I was a teenager and it was on the only TV in the house. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I remember Brown. seeing, I think, there were a couple on here. The Fuller House and the Connors got a lot of publicity. The, those were very popular, the the revivals of those shows. Yeah. And Will and Grace, I remember them bringing back Will and Grace. Yeah. Um, I think I think maybe someone wrote an article on that for the society then. Murphy Brown was one of the big ones where yeah, I just didn't I just don't recall that they did that. And I'm actually kind of curious about it. But as the uh uh uh, article says the new Murphy Brown was DOA, so <laughs> yeah, it just just it really... also implies that maybe they did this for the sole purpose of mocking Donald Trump. Like that was the whole reason that they brought it back, so you could do that. Yeah, I guess you know. I mean, it ties into though. You know what I was saying about John Stewart. Not to get too political here, but. Comedy in the age of Trump, I feel like, is very difficult. And there have been any yeah. number of comedians who tried to just, I don't know, make a certain kind of joke, like pointing and laughing, like, how ridiculous is this? And it's like, well, that's just reality. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, do, doing something that effectively moves the needle in terms of um, comedy or satire Um. I don't know. I, I think maybe some have done it, but uh, yeah, we don't need Murphy Brown to just come be on TV like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, making political jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's uh, it only lasted one year. It's over. Total flash in the pan. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, in terms of what we're watching, I don't have much. Invasion uh, season two is ending. The finale comes out tomorrow. I've been on that week to week writing on it for the site. Um, still cannot decide whether it's any good. Yeah, I've been loosely not 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 trying to absorb all of the spoilers, but I've been following along with your piece. It seems like you can't decide whether to be up or down on on this show. It seems like there's been a lot of ups and downs this season. Have you watched the show? I've not it, watched it yet. No. It's it's like it's just kind of fine. I don't know. Like <laughs> sometimes like, Oh, I'm pretty entertained, you know? And then uh, something, some of the dialogue in, in, in some of these episodes is really kind of grown worthy and then like oh, cheesy okay. dialogue. And, and overall, I don't feel like it's really doing anything terribly novel or interesting. It's just kind of there. Yeah. You know, I mean, structurally, it is kind of interesting because it's an alien invasion story, but it doesn't directly focus on the government as the protagonist. It has mm, okay. kind of ordinary people as the protagonist for the most part, yeah. and that's sort of interesting. But I don't know. Yeah, I just keep watching it. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I, I don't, again, I have not seen it, so I, I don't know if this is a fair analogy, but it's, it's sort of like you can't make Saving Private Ryan all on the beach, the whole beach scene, right? You have to have the the beach, and then there's the story after that, right? I don't know if there's a story after the actual invasion has happened um, or where they're taking that. The, the 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 whole time, this is 20 episodes now, of the invasion is happening. Oh, boy, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of, again, you know, it is kind of interesting because I really liked it at the beginning. Yeah. You know, because you're kind of dealing with these ordinary people and their perspective. And at first, you know, they, they don't even know what's happening. Right. And 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 so on. And there's been some good stuff in there. It's been it's been a little uneven, I guess. Um, but I keep watching it and I know that they're there. They want, I think, two more seasons. Oh boy! And I'll probably watch them. <laughs> that, that's to see where see where they go with this. You know, yeah, I, I got have this. You. I have You're this not... feeling that somehow the ultimate conclusion is going to land on like some kind of kumbaya <laughs> moment. 
but that will be fine for this show. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know, maybe it won't. But it's, you, you, I, it's, want, you you want a rival? That's what you want. You want a rival. You know, here here's here's something that gets at invasion. There's a running thing about David Bowie. Okay. All right. They use the most on the nose Bowie song <laughs> you could imagine, which is Space Oddity. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right, like you could choose any Bowie song that you wanted. They're like, no, it's going to be Space Oddity that we play over and over again. You know, and, and it's yeah. it's just kind of like that's fine, but there's nothing about the show that feels challenging or edgy. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, how's Loki going? Yeah, Loki is halfway through this second season. Um, Kind of an uneven third third episode. Although the third episode um, was a, was a point people were waiting for because it reintroduced Jonathan Majors and his now third version of the character of of Kang into um, into the Marvel universe. And I guess coincidentally, I think tomorrow he is scheduled to appear in court over these domestic violence charges. And so there was some comments that we've not changed anything about the show um, related to Majors or our plans for him. Obviously, he played this big role in the Ant-Man movie back in February. Um, but I think after these next three episodes and after the court hearings in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some decisions made about that. He was fantastic, as you might imagine, in the in the episode, um, despite some of the, again, up and down nature of, of what I thought about it. But, yeah, there's sort of a real point coming of what they what they decide to decided to do with him but yeah you know, he, he was in stories have come out I, you know i always often wonder if these are planned things where the producer of this episode came out and said oh my gosh he was such a joy on set we loved working with him he was the best you know they're trying to sort of skid the wheels of of you know we want to keep going with him again who knows what the judges are going to say in the next yeah. couple of days but he's he's back so we'll see what happens yeah that, that kind of stuff always sticks in my craw a little bit personally yeah because like either he did the very bad things or he didn't, and yep. if he did the very bad things, I don't I don't like care that he's nice to people on set. Exactly, it's not it's not relevant really. So exactly. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. So again, I'll probably write about the last three episodes um, coming up, um, finishing I think in mid November. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, it ends ends well. First season was an, an excellent ending, so we'll see see where they go. Cool. Yeah. And um, yeah. Did you watch any more Twin Peaks? I've not caught any more Twin Peaks. Not yet. Right. But it's on. It's it's on. We, list. Had, we had busy weeks. We've got like nothing weeks. for you. Yeah. Like, what do you want? I, I watched The Last of Us. Which it's coming. Yeah. Talk. I did. Uh, we were doing. We're, so we're going to talk about um, episode three of The Last of Us. Long, long time. Um, I had not watched the show prior to this, so I did watch the first three episodes. And the first one is an hour and a half long, and this third <laughs> one is like eighty minutes long. I should have, I should have prepped you for um, that. <laughs> so you know, uh, I managed to get that in, uh, in, in between uh, since last week, and um, yeah, that's about it. I haven't, I haven't gotten back to watching Moonlighting either. So you know, oh yeah, too, too much. Well, you watched nine hours of Last of Us over three episodes, so. That it's not no, not eight hours, four hours, maybe <laughs> four hours, probably four, know. yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we can get to that, yeah. yeah. Um, so as per usual, we'll take uh, you know, 10 seconds or so and plug in a little music. Uh, and spoiler warning here on the other side, potentially all of The Last of Us season one is going to be on the table, um, but we will be focusing on episode three long, long time. All right, welcome back. We are going to dive deep into episode three of season one of The Last of Us, entitled Long, Long Time. Uh, again, spoilers are ahead, certainly for the first three episodes, but potentially for the entire uh, first season. In this, in this episode, immediately following the sacrifice that Tess made back in, in close to Boston, Massachusetts, Joel and Ellie begin 
their hike to try to go meet up with Bill and with Frank. Um, Ellie sees uh, for the first time some of the evidence of the government's sort of involvement and execution of people in the early days of the cordyceps pandemic and perhaps what they did to people even who were healthy. Um, and we flash back to 2007, where Frank, played by Neil Offerman, uh, or sorry, Frank, played by uh, Murray, ba Murray Bartlett, leaves Baltimore and stumbles on Bill's compound, who's a survivalist, played by Nick Offerman. Um, Bill takes him in. The, the two men begin a uh, long-term romance, sharing a love of music and food. Um, years later, sometime in, in years later, they are contacted by Tess and by Joel, and they strike up sort of a, a tenuous friendship, tenuous relationship, where they trade things back and forth. Um, eventually moving to the more current timeline, Frank becomes terminally ill, asks Bill to assist with his suicide after they marry. Uh, Bill does not want to live without Frank after about... 15 years together, so he kills himself as well at the same time. Joel and Ellie eventually arrive at some point after that and discover a letter that Bill left for Joel talking about how protecting Frank gave his life meaning and what it meant to uh, be able to do that. He leaves all of his possessions and all of his supplies to Joel and to Tess. Um, and then we see, we see Joel and Ellie take off um, after getting a truck, after getting some supplies. Ellie grabs a gun that belonged to belonged to Frank um, and set out back on the road to find Joel's brother, Tommy. You might um, be wondering, Cameron, I think you've only watched the first three, but certainly that's a, a Chekhov's gun that she took um, out of the drawer there and uh, might come back into play later but uh you you're someone that had not seen these these three episodes this this third one in particular before this week so initial thoughts or impressions of of uh the story particularly yeah this 80 minutes this 80 minute episode yeah well i mean it's um it's a powerful episode for sure yeah I mean, it's a good episode i do believe we we probably could have pinned down the dates better in your little synopsis I don't. I yeah, they do provide very specific. Yeah, they provide very specific they years. With provide those. very specific years. I want to say off the top of my head that like they meet Joel and Tess in 2013 or something like, like that, that. Yeah. and then it jumps to 2023. It's kind of interesting to me in general the timeline of the show as a post-apocalyptic show mm -hmm. that they set the show now basically. Yep. But the apocalypse happened. 15, 20 years ago, or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, um, right. that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, say, if we're focusing on this episode in particular, the real central thing is in the relationship between Bill and Frank. And, I don't know, I mean, I, I do think it works quite well to have this kind of, I don't know, contemplative little romance yeah. in here. Um, some other things that, you know, I have to say about it, obviously, we're going to talk about this for, you know, the next half an hour. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm curious that, you know, I know obviously you had seen this before mm -hmm. when it was airing. Um, was this your first time rewatching it since then or had you watched uh, it again in between? This is the third time I'd seen it. I watched, uh, I think we had screeners for this. So I watched um, episodes shortly before they aired then watch them as they aired with um with my wife and then so but that was i guess what back in uh february march time frame is this is my first time to see it since then i had also i had not played the game obviously we should have mentioned this was a unbelievably popular uh, apocalyptic video game um that has i think two versions and a third in in production right now um I had not played the game, but before I see, saw any of the episodes, I watched one of these 10-hour playthroughs of the entire entire game. Sort of was familiar with the story. And that's kind of one of the first things I want to touch on is there are some huge differences between the Bill and Frank of the game and the Bill and Frank in this episode, parts of which we don't really ever meet Frank. He is someone that Bill references that had a relationship of some kind of relationship. You don't know what kind of relationship but discovered him dead one day. Um, but Bill sort of kept out going on his own, becomes sort of a survivalist on the road, and eventually ends up helping Joel and Ellie in the game. So there are some 
sort of wild deviations from the way that they are portrayed in the in the game. And then clearly this is sort of its this standalone episode that um, obviously loops in some of Joel and Tess and Ellie, but doesn't quite connect to the rest of the season either before or after. Um, and I'm sure you picked up on that having just gone through three of them. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's interesting. Maybe I knew this, that they kind of expanded out what was in the game, at least for this. Yeah. So there was no Bill universe in the game. It was just Bill coming and being a supporting character and a helper to Joel and Ellie. And so there's no, there's not, none of this story. This is all sort of a, a creative license with what mm-hmm. happened between these two men over the course of 17 or 18 years. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, beside, of course, the focus is on Bill and Frank and their relationship. Mm-hmm. But before that, you have a period of time where Bill, who apparently he doesn't like being called a prepper, but he was a prepper. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, you know, I, I was amused by that. His yes. opening days, like he's hiding out while the government's coming around. And of course, we we are st- our, our starting point was Joel and Ellie in the present coming across the pit of skeletons. Yeah. So, like, I guess that what we're flashing back to was the government rounding people up and they then they killed those people, right? That's right. So I think when we see when we come across that pit, you see this dirty baby blanket. And then the first thing you see when it flashes back is a baby in that blanket. Yeah. And sort of this sense of, oh, these people were healthy. They were being rounded up by the government. Presumably, as as Joel would say to Ellie later, they thought they were being taken to a quarantine area. But yeah. that clearly didn't happen. Um yeah. or Joel said maybe glad, some glad. of them were, but if it was yeah. full, then they just sh- sh- kill people in the ditch. If they realized that they didn't have room for them, they would just, yeah, slaughter innocent innocent people. Um, and to, to that end, the first three episodes in particular, when this show came out, the discourse was around how interesting and powerful the openings to each episode was, right? So the first one, you had this sort of 1960s talk show with these doctors, and he's talking about um, that he's not worried about a pandemic. He's worried about, you know, a fungus evolving and taking over humanity. The second one, if you recall, is the doctor in Indonesia as they're sort of looking at this first test case. And she says, you know, they said, what should we do about this? And she says, bomb the city. Right. And then this one where we get this sense of they come across just basically a death pit um, that they would just hit you in the mouth with these, these, I don't know, cold opens to the episode. Um, and that sort of became sort of a really interesting thing. I, I'm not so sure that the subsequent episodes had that kind of power to it, but there was some just real discourse around the openings of these episodes when they first came out. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I was about to say with regard to the the death pit, there's some subtlety to how the yeah. show's presenting things. You know what I mean? We don't we don't see the people being rounded up and killed. That's right. I don't know. Is that um, now? Now I'm thinking like, would I have preferred that? <laughs> like, <laughs> really, you know, like really heavy with it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it it is well done. You know, I so I guess in general, part of what I want to talk about is how well I didn't watch this show when it aired, and it's kind of interesting to me because it's one of those things where I kind of meant to. You ever have this experience? Mm-hmm. Like the show beyond, and it kind of feels like everyone's watching it. That's kind of how it felt when The Last of Us was on. Yeah, and and I just never got around to it. Yeah, and and I find myself thinking about it now. I you know do watch these three episodes, and it's good. And this episode in particular, again, it's a good, it's a powerful episode, and all of that. But there's something about it. I realize like I'm not super into this. <laughs> And and I think it has to do with the overarching kind of framework, the kind of okay, it's a post-apocalyptic story, you mm-hmm. know, there are zombies, the government is awful and tyrannical, mm-hmm. and I feel like I uh, I've heard this story before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hear it and I mean frankly do understand that's that sort of analysis of it i will say the second half 
of this season becomes much less about that. And it's a lot less Walking Dead and a lot more um, what does it mean to have a relationship with someone? What does it mean to try to become a father again after the things that he suffered at the beginning of the first episode? Right. Yeah. Um, and there's some people that they meet along the way. There's some things that happen to them um, and, and sort of how to become that person, not just with past trauma, but ongoing trauma that they keep experiencing. Um, so I, I remember thinking and reading people saying as we got towards the end of the and this was sometimes a, a commentary on Walking Dead as well, is where, where are the infected? There weren't any in this episode. There weren't any in the last episode, right? And that's sort of when it becomes the best version of itself. And towards the end of the season, you get to see more of that. Yeah. Well, there was at least one in this episode because Bill has a nice little trap set up and he <laughs> zaps zaps the guy and he goes, yeah. like, he never gets old. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, I try, you, you also, you also get the one that Ellie sort of plays with right. and 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 has her right. way with at the beginning of the of the episode right. it really makes you think about sort of what she's capable of and what does she want um there's some good things coming for for her character and what she, what she can do as well yeah right that was kind of weird it seemed so i don't know i mean like i don't know how, how much of a tangent i want to go on but part of me feels like there's almost this fantasy with this kind of post-apocalyptic story mm. you know yeah but look part of why i'm going to go ahead and say that is because i think what's really interesting about this episode is it gives us Bill as a real exemplar of that fantasy. Yes. Within the context of the show. So what do I mean? Um, he says in the letter, he ultimately leaves for Joel or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says when it happened, he was happy. Exactly. Right. The yeah. world's, world's terrible, you know, <laughs> and we kind of see that, you know, he's running around he's going to Home Depot. He's got his whole setup. He he raids all the stores. I don't know. I mean, did, did that one store really have enough wine <laughs> for this long a period of time? It seems like he's drinking a bottle of wine every night, at least one it bottle. Seems of wine. Like so, it. Yes. I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of wine. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, and then you so you kind of have this fantasy of this walled off self-sufficient life. Mm-hmm. Which fits particularly for someone who, like Bill, was already a prepper, you know, and now living outside of the government. I think in just in a broader sense, I think maybe um, we can tend to find these post-apocalyptic stories appealing because at some level people do want it almost Mm -hmm. like not saying that we want the zombie horde everywhere or something. When people look at the world and go, you know, things are really kind of terrible, <laughs> you know, and and that there can be this appeal to this idea of it ending and then um, some chance of a new fresh beginning after or yeah. something like yeah. that. Um, and I think that idea of fresh beginnings is important and relevant for a couple of ways, not just, well, if the world burns, we have to start over, but both obviously parallels between Joel and between Bill for different reasons who want nothing to do with other people, want nothing to do with having to be with or protect or have to look after other people. Both of them have to learn to do that again, have to learn how to do it after so much time of not um, having to be that, be that person. They have different paths that they take clearly and they do it for different reasons. But, you know, I think I was sort of struck by how quickly they introduced Bill as someone that would not be someone that would have at all would it would let someone into their their life, and then how quickly it sort of Frank caused him to flip that switch and and go to the other side. Right, that was sort of the one sort of micro criticism I'd have about it. Right, we're going to go on like twenty years of Joel just sort of pushing back against the world, whereas Bill you know, is charmed by, by a guy and, and sort of makes that change rather quickly. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. I had that note too. I was was like, um, I don't know. It didn't quite land for me. Their initial, I don't know, seduction or or what have you. (laughs) Like, I don't know what word he is. Cause I think their, their romance as a whole 
I do buy, you mm-hmm. know, but then the, the, I think we're talking about the same thing, the turn from, I let you out of this hole and now get out of here. No, I'm not going to feed you before it gets around, blah, blah, blah to, okay, well then he lets him and, you know, feeds him and okay, we're you know, so far so good. But then the move to the, um, like, now we're falling in love and now it is right into yeah. that, that bit, which I guess it all hangs on the Linda Ronsat song. Yeah, yeah. That's the scene that's supposed to do that work. It it, it really is. And <laughs> I found it interesting that obviously the, this, the, the, the title of the episode, the song itself, played at this point, played at the end, um, the, the the song became sort of a fulcrum of of sort of this discussion about this this episode. And apparently, you know, Murray Bartlett did play that and sing it beautifully. Like she he's a magnificent musician, you know, and has to come in and do this awkward version of it. And then Neil Offerman, who's non musician, you know, sort of learned to um do a really acceptable and really powerful version of it. Um but yeah that, that they are putting a lot of weight on that particular scene but i think we're just meant to understand that there's something about that song you know what a coincidence he pulls out that book starts playing that song but there is something about that song that makes that emotional connection for bill happen um but yeah there, there's some really interesting stuff out there if you want to go sort of find it of how they made that scene happen with you know how murray had to work to be bad at that and how hard Lindy Lawson had to work to be good at it that's funny um, yeah that's good yeah we'll look into that but yeah, I mean, I, you make a good point because I guess thinking back on that scene, um, Frank was looking through what's there and mm. he does specifically pick out one, the Linda Ronstadt, and two, that song as like, yeah. this is you, this is for you, and that, that, that that's landing, you know, yeah. and that then um, Bill <laughs> can't stomach how poorly he performs the song but then they connect <laughs> through the song but this is how the scene's supposed to work you know yes. and, I, and I get it and I just don't know if it quite mm, made me feel what I needed yeah. to feel in order to because then it, it rolls so quickly into yeah, you know now they're building a life together for yeah, they, they yeah. do, and maybe just for time or for moving the storyline, they had they had to go through that scene so quickly. Like, it would have been good to... Clearly, there's someone or something that made Bill connect with that song or something in his past. Is it someone that, you know, has Bill been closeted and he had you know this love and affection for someone and could never tell him and never was able to express it um, and that's not there anymore or... Is this you know some something else? But would have appreciated some type of little bit of exposition of why that means so much and why it means so much that that you know that Frank could kind of connect with them yeah. through that song. But yeah, know. or you know what? Weirdly, putting on my editor cap and imagining <laughs> myself as an editor of of TV itself, which has never been the case really, although it appeals <laughs> to me. I wonder. I found myself thinking maybe it would have almost been better if there'd been less. Like, just cut it, like, have the song, have them kiss after the song, cut the bit about them going to bed together. Mm-hmm. Cut, just cut from them kissing at the piano to five, ten years later. Yeah, because the first thing we see, whatever years later, is them in the midst of a really heated argument, right? So, yeah, yeah did, did you need all, all of that? I think that, you know, it sort of expressed a sense of, yeah, we're, we're building a, a, a relationship very quickly and then so that you'll believe it when we say we're here so many years later. But, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, there's a way in which the scene where they go to bed together is like a title card that says, now romance is happening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, like, maybe yeah. you just, you, you could have made it, maybe, maybe it would have been yeah. more powerful if it was, if it was even more brief. You yeah. Know? yeah. And then you could just cut because you're going to do a time jump anyway. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. I don't make TV. Yeah. Well, the song itself, I think I, because I recapped this show when it, when it came out, I think I wrote at the time that this was going to be Linda Ronstadt's Kate Bush moment. Obviously Kate Bush and run up that hill from stranger things had this explosion of popularity. So did this song. It's, you know, went up like almost 5,000% in terms of streams on Spotify. Um, 
you know, so sort of just became this rediscovery of this, this love song that's, uh, and there's some interesting stories there. I won't go through the whole thing of how the director actually found that song. Um, but yeah, it just sort of became emblematic of not only this episode, but just sort of this idea of having a relationship, never being able to express it. Um, there's some thoughts of, does this also tie back into to Tess? You know, in the end of episode two, Tess says, I never asked you to feel how I felt. Right. So did Joel feel that way, but never get a chance to express it and sort of does this tie into that as well? So anyway, just just a good song sort of tie all those those bows together. Yeah. And I'm there for it. Right. And the story is he asks uh, Dragon is then asks uh, like a friend. Yeah, he had a friend. The the director, Craig Mason, had a friend who runs the Broadway station on Sirius XM. I'm looking for this song that sort of symbolizes what we're doing here. Apparently, like, you know, a few seconds later, the guy texted back with the name of the song. He's like, oh, that's that's absolutely perfect. That's interesting. I don't know about the two seconds, but I'll buy it. I'll buy yeah. it here. <laughs> but, you know, cool. Fair enough. You know, he's like, you're, it's always like conceptually they had an idea. And so then it's also interesting to tie back, you know, talking about how this is really expanding out on the game or giving us something mm-hmm. that's not in the game. And then it's all the way down to the title of the episode, which comes from the song, which wasn't originally part of the script because he had to figure out what the song was going to be. Exactly. You know, and then it becomes exemplary. And I think it works. And I'm also, you know, I feel like if it's the youth who are discovering Kate Bush and Linda Ronstadt <laughs> because of yeah. television, yeah, all for That's it. That's great. That is I'm great. all for That's it. Absolutely good, yeah. No problem with this whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like there's some weirdos in Sorry, I shouldn't call them weirdos. I, I, maybe. I mean, I feel like there's some people in the world who get weirdly offended. You know, we're like, what do you mean? I've been listening to Kate Bush for 20, you know, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> people are, are just, discovering uh, the music. It's good music. music. Just, you know, let, let, let people enjoy things. Exactly. Exactly. Well, one other note on their relationship, which I found um, interesting. There was a couple people commenting on this after the fact. But so they, um, obviously, this event happens. We learn in this in this episode, September 26, 2003. Um, and we know that this is a, you know, sort of takes place in in, in remote parts of Massachusetts right now. Um, and, and why it would have been such a powerful thing and an unexpected thing for them to decide to get married is because same-sex marriage does not become legal in Massachusetts, even though it was the first day, it did not become legal until May 2004. So in this universe, that never happens. And yeah. so this is something that, um, you know, they really decided to, to to do to cement their relationship, how they feel about each other before they're, you know, before they, um, unbeknownst to one of them, euthanize one another. Um, but it's an interesting point sort of in the timeline of everything. Yeah. I mean, of course, things were in the air. There, there were, I think, civil unions, maybe. Civil in unions, yeah. And yeah. Hawaii. Y- yes. A couple, couple of places. Um, but I don't oh. think until this May 2004 that um same-sex marriage became legal in any one state in massachusetts i believe was the first no i think that's right i think that's right i'm just i don't know in part pulling on my own personal memories i do recall there was discussion conceptually Mm -hmm. even going back to when we were like high school in the 1990s you know yep um yeah debate i don't know man it's weird how long ago that feels but it wasn't (laughs) that long ago i know i know it was just once they decided, once the Supreme Court uh, made that decision, what, about 10 years ago? Also, not that yeah. long ago. Yeah. Um, it, it just it seemed like it all disappeared. And yeah. before, you know, man, 10, 15 years before that, you had all these debates in the American political life about yeah. this. And, yeah, I don't know. Good thing to get, yeah, get, get we got other, other more important things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, that, that's part of what's striking to me is, yeah. is just like, um, it, how quickly it has, at least from my perspective in the circles I tend to run in and all of that seem to have just settled in as, um, yeah, of course that's how it works. Yeah. You know, that's just, yeah, that's just part of, you know, part, part of life, you know, as it should have always been exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like who cares? Um, you mentioned the, uh, yes, yeah, so it's the same Beaujolais and their last meal as their first meal. Yeah. This I is know. just a nice little Easter egg. If you go to that, uh, first time where he pulls him out of the hole in terms of a meal, he, sh- he talks about how, oh, you're a guy who knows how to pair a Beaujolais with, with some rabbit. 
Yeah. And then he shows them the wine right before he feed. He, they give him the last meal, and it's the exact same wine of uh, that they had 17 years earlier. It's just just a cool little sort of nugget there. I was gonna say, yeah, I, I think it's the same meal too. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Which is kind of a nice. Yeah, and so let me just mention circle. while we're talking about Frank. So Frank played by Murray Bartlett. Um, I mean, it's just tremendous in, in this episode. He is. Um, there's a lot of the uh, a lot of emotional lifting and emotional has the emotional weight in this episode. He's just a few months removed. I don't remember if you watched the first season of White Lotus or not. I have. Yeah. Um, okay. So his character Armand in White Lotus. I, I, I mean, they could not be more different. You know these these two characters. So, I mean, just he just deserves some props for. You know, he's on the HBO signature Sunday night show. You know, twice within the span of a year. And just does these uh, has these amazing roles. Both of the, I mean, obviously this is just one episode, um, but credit credit to him. He, he's he's done some fa- fantastic work, and Andy Lawman certainly is is great in this episode as well. There's good stuff out there about how he had to not learn, but sort of get get ready for and prepared for having this same sex relationship, which he had not had before. And mm-hmm. he, he they both do extremely well. I just wanted to point that out. Right, of course, Armand in the White Lotus also gay, so they, yes. they've got yes. they've got that in common. You're right in terms of the characters there. If you want a lot other of than that, they're wildly different. Yes, you want a lot of exposure in various ways to Murray Bartlett. Go watch first season of, of White Lotus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy him, and you know, I can't recall. I'm curious now to look up like what else he's been in because I don't recall knowing of him prior to the White Lotus. Yeah, I didn't either. He's been a lot of, you know, one episode, three episode TV series. Uh, looking at this up, I mean, Guiding Light, Damages, The Good Wife. Um, yeah, like one imagines he's been around, you know, he's yeah. not. His first credit is 1987. He's been around a long time. That's what I'm saying. He's not like a teenager. No, no. <laughs> but so, uh, but yeah, and he's, you know, it's. He was most recently in that show. I think this was on Amazon. Welcome to Chippendales. I didn't see that, but uh, okay, didn't yeah, so didn't see that either. <laughs> so yeah, so he's kind of all all over the place. But the, he had a real standout year when he did did these two things. Yeah, you love to see it. I mean, I don't know. He, he does a really good job, you know. Yeah, because they have to in this episode of The Last of Us kind of characterize these guys pretty quickly, you know. Yes, um, but but that's effective. Um, yeah, it's a long, it's a long episode, but there's about 15 minutes on either side of it. That's Joel and Ellie. Mm-hmm. And so when you really look at the time frame, they pack a lot of, and I think it's one of the things that appeal to you. They pack a lot of how they build this relationship over a relatively short amount of time. I think the other thing that appealed to me was having watched the 10 hour playthrough of the game. There's a lot of the first two episodes that are very similar, even word for word what the game does and then you get this sort of deviation from it it's like oh this is really unexpected really sort of out of out of nowhere and a very interesting world building piece of it that you know was just totally would have been totally unfamiliar to people who had played the game before yeah right which i mean i always think that that's great with adaptations Mm -hmm. you know that they're take some Take some liberties, but that that's not what I want to say. I want to say use some of these spaces where you can to yeah. do things that aren't in the original. Yeah. You know, to whatever degree. So um certainly as I recall when this episode came out, it seemed like it was critically acclaimed from, from yes. the get-go. I'm sure there are probably some video game fans who were upset about it, and I just ignored them. There were certainly were. There certainly <laughs> were. Yeah. So but I would say mo- most people, even fans of the game or players of the game, uh, respected this this episode. But yeah, just in terms of critically popular audience, people that had not had exposure to it before, just I mean, mostly just sort of fell in love with this um, this episode and this last thing that we see this this letter um, that bill writes to joel really propels a decision that he makes with ellie and then who he becomes the rest of the season right that bill is able to tell him there was one person worth saving one person worth fighting for 
And, you know, as you can tell in the first two episodes, Joel really has no interest in doing this, this mission with Ellie, you know, Tess pleads for him to do it at the end of two. And he sort of has this moment where he starts asking her questions, making sure she'll do exactly what he says and it leads to what happens in the next, in the next six. And yeah, just really sort of sets the stage for what's, what's about to, to come. Yeah. So I mean, there are some, the arc's going to be in terms of his commitment to Ellie and mm-hmm. then, I mean, we don't have to like spoil the end of the season just to do it, but I do know it happens. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, hey, guess what? They they get closer and begin to develop a relationship, yeah. right? And, 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 and in some ways, he would seem to perhaps prioritize her life over yes. uh, that of uh, others. Uh, maybe uh, maybe billion. Yes, <laughs> yeah, as I understand. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean it, it's it's good to i mean if you're going to watch this far it's good to sort of see this this through um and it it it, it does have a really i think pretty dramatic transformation from who he you see he has become all these years after the death of his daughter to reverting back to someone that can be that person again right i think that's 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 pretty safe to say yeah, yeah. Ellie has his new adopted daughter kind of thing. It's the, yeah. the arc that we're on. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Okay, so I can't, we cannot leave without asking you something that was important after the after the end of episode two. Why did Anna Torv not turn her head when the guy was coming in to kiss her with the tendrils? Why? Why <laughs> accept the tendril kiss? I. <laughs> That's one of the great mysteries see. of the show. I don't get into kink shaming. You know, I mean, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, Tess. It was just to keep him distracted so she could light the light the lighter. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I think he's struggling with the lighter. Yes. So yeah. I guess, I, yeah, I, 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 I guess. Anyway, yeah that that was that was uh, had quite the range of reactions when uh, when that happened. The tendril kiss, as it's come to be known. But she she did it. She blew him up. And, she blew him up. Yeah. You know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah. So this, as you discussed last week, moved into my top four and replaced another episode yes. of television, which coincidentally, ironically, whatever you want to call it, we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. So I have chosen my next episode. Up, um with this in mind, all your cards on the table. Um, I feel like ultimately this is like Ryan's Mount Rushmore and then it's camera picks episodes he thinks will be fun to talk about. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like it's the contrast. You, you call it Mount Rushmore if you want it. You yeah. Want it. Um, but yeah, so um, when Long Long Time came out, Ryan said in his, in his write-up that it replaced um, Better Call Saul, season six, episode seven, Plan and Execution on his Mount Rushmore. Um, so I think it'll be fun then next week to talk about that episode, Better Call Saul, Plan and Execution, um, which I'll be honest, I have not rewatched since it came out. I, I haven't either. I have only, there are only a few episodes of Better Call Saul that I have rewatched. So I, I must say, I'm really looking forward to going back and doing yeah. kind of some context with it as well, this, especially this episode. Yeah. I mean, it didn't come out all that long ago. No. It was a year or, or well, maybe a year and a half. But um, anyway, definitely one that, um, you know, my initial reaction was to be just utterly blown away by it. And um, I expect that to remain the case as I painfully watch it again. (laughs) It's like, like, how much can you enjoy being just punched in the gut? Um, But uh, quite a lot is what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. who knows? Maybe I'll watch this and it'll it'll jump back on. We'll, we, you know, more so that, yeah, that, that is part of what I'm curious about, right? So doing that one after a long, long time, you know, how, is there a recency bias at play? So that's part mm-hmm. of what we can assess is in terms of uh, of Ryan's final judgment here. You <laughs> know, um, but I'm looking forward to that. Love Better Call Saul. So yes, hopefully our listeners have seen Better Call Saul. I don't know that you can catch up with six and a half seasons in a week. I'd encourage you to try. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> not really. That would be 
we need to calculate. Like, if you spent every waking hour of every day for six or seven days, could you get through um, five and a half seasons of Better Call Saul? Let's just say yes, it can be done. Maybe, maybe it's, we'll say it's around sixty hours. Of, I'm thinking of like 350 hours or something. So like that seems like technically possible. <laughs> um, but anyway, ho- hopefully people have seen it. This is the um, well, we'll talk about this more next week. Yeah, but I, it, to me, the fact that this one there's a break after this episode. Right. This was the mid mid season finale, right? Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll hit on that more next week. But okay, thanks everyone right. for listening. Um, as always, please you know, leave us a rave review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, thumbs up, whatever. Tell your friends, your family, and everyone about how the TV Obsessed podcast is great. Uh, anyway, and uh, you can follow us on social media. You, know, you can find us on um, X on Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, or on Mastodon and on Blue Sky. Search for TV Obsessive. You can find us on on (laughs) social media. Uh, Check out the site at tvobsessive.com. And um, we'll be back next week talking about Better Call Saul. Yep, I'm really looking looking forward to that one. This has been a fun thing to go through. I can't wait to revisit that show. And we'll see you next time.